Welcome to the Partners for Better Communities podcast with the Virginia Department of Housing and Community Development. The work from home revolution is just getting started and causing people to reevaluate where they call home. The year-long Creating Community Vitality series encourages you to think broadly, inclusively, and creatively about how your community can welcome an increasingly mobile workforce and inspire them to call your community home. I'm Rebecca Rowe, the Associate Director of the Community Revitalization Office, and today we are speaking with Melody Warnick. Melody is a freelance writer whose work has appeared in City Lab, Reader's Digest, The Guardian, The New York Times, and many other publications. Warnick is also the author of This Is Where You Belong, Finding Home Wherever You Are, which explains the concept of place attachment and helps people fall in love with where they live. Melody, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. I know a little bit about how you became interested in place attachment. I have read the book. I have um, listened to some of your keynote addresses at various conferences, most recently the Southwest Virginia Economic Forum conference that you did virtually. I think that was back in September. And really, it was listening to you at that forum and making some of those quantitative connections with place attachment that got me really excited to have this conversation with you. For our listeners' information, can you tell us a little bit about the book, This Is Where You Belong, and what the impetus was for that and how you got started in researching place attachment? Yeah, absolutely. So this all started when I moved to Virginia. My husband got a job at Virginia Tech in Blacksburg in 2012. We were living in Austin, Texas at the time and had had never lived in Virginia, didn't know anyone in Virginia, knew very little about it, but it was a great job opportunity. And so we took this leap and at that point in our lives, we had moved around a lot, uh, lived in several different states. And every time we moved, it would be this thing like, oh, this new place is is just going to fix everything. <laughs> everything in our life is going to be better in, in this new town. And that's exactly what I thought about Blacksburg. It's going to be this small town Mayberry. You know, all my neighbors are going to hang out with me and it's just going to be great. And, and then we moved in and it did not take me long to decide I hate it here. Um, and I say that and it really is not meant to be a knock against Blacksburg, um, which is a, a fabulous town and lots of people move here just because they love it. Um, it is more a knock against how hard it is to, to go to a new place where you don't have friends, you are new to the community. Um, and I began to wonder what does it take to feel at home in a place when it's not your home, when it is um, a hometown that you've adopted? What has to actually happen for you to feel comfortable there? So I had spent uh, my career as a magazine writer, which meant that I was really used to this idea of when I, when I have a problem, I'm going to see what experts say about it. And so that's what I did in this case. I started looking at the research around mobility and home. And I came across this term place attachment, which is what psychologists and sociologists and other researchers use to describe the feeling of being 
deeply at home and comfortable in a community. And I thought, okay, <laughs> that's what I want. And, and so this launched me on um, a year-long process of trying to create place attachment for myself in Blacksburg, um, which I learned is it's a feeling, but it's also a series of behaviors. There are things we do that make us feel place attached that result in, in the emotion that comes with it. So would you say that you're attached to Blacksburg now? Yeah, that's the spoiler. So no one has to read the book. No, no, you still have to read the book because the activities are great. The activities are great. So what I did was uh, I, I developed these what I called love where you live experiments. And these were little micro actions that I took in Blacksburg that were designed to make me feel better here, make me sort of fall in love with it. And they were they were relatively simple things, stuff like shopping at local shops, um, buying food at the farmer's market, trying to become a regular at a local restaurant, volunteering, um, you know, inviting our neighbors over, things like that. And at the end of this year, um, I had this experience where I was riding my bike with my daughter uh, down the Huckleberry Trail. We were headed to the library and the farmer's market and the sun was shining. It was this beautiful day. And I had this feeling like I love it here and I don't want to move, which was really new for me. I had always kind of been a little restless. I'd get tired of a place and I'd imagine that there's someplace better out there for me. And one of the ways to measure place attachment is do you want to stay? Do you like it enough where you are that you don't you don't want to move? Um, and, and that was how I came to feel about Blacksburg. And so, um, yeah, that was we moved here almost nine years ago. I guess eight and a half years ago. We have since gone on to build a house here, and um, you know we kind of made this deal that we wanted to stay as long as our kids were in school and we, we still have an eighth grade daughter, but as we kind of think, you know, what, what do we want to do after she graduates from high school? I literally can't think of a place I'd rather live. So, so yes, <laughs> I, I think I'm really place attached to Blacksburg. Well done, Melody and well done, Blacksburg. As I hear you talk and reading the book, I, I feel a lot of parallels. You know, my husband and I moved to Austin, Texas in 2000, and that's when Austin was just really exploding, and we hated it for a good year. And um, I think, you know, finding though this particular restaurant that was close by and becoming regulars there was one of the things that really got us going. And then the neighborhood we live in now here in Richmond, same kind of thing. We had never been to this neighborhood. We came to look at it at the recommendation of our realtor, um, sat down in this particular restaurant, and it was literally a plate of honey habanero wings. And I said, I want to live within walking distance of this plate of food, if at all possible. So then that brings me to to 
thinking about how a lot of communities and people living in communities are experiencing place attachment right now, then the role of restaurants and kind of where we are right now, are there any lessons from place attachment that communities can be um, thinking about uh, maybe some things putting into practice as to how place attachment can um, be brought to to bear on bringing their community through the pandemic? I think one of the things we've seen as a result of the pandemic is this realization of what we have to lose in our towns. And that can that can heighten place attachment in in some senses because part of place attachment is simply appreciating the assets in your community, recognizing what your community has to offer. We just um, got news this weekend that uh, a barbecue place in our town, Bull and Bones, is closing down. And, you know, every community has had that experience lately where you hear about a place that you love that has been part of your life and it's closing because of the pandemic. And, and those things are, they're sad and they also may have the silver lining of making us realize that uh, the things that we want to see in our communities, we have to support. Uh, one of the things I learned as I was writing the book is that every day you vote for the kind of community you want by how you spend your money. And so, you know, if we want the little shops to survive, if we want the restaurants to survive, we have to spend money there. That's really complicated right now during the pandemic when, you know, restaurants are hard to eat in. <laughs> um, shops are, are hard to shop in because of these worries about safety. But I hope that the lesson we take forward after the pandemic is that we we want these small businesses businesses to survive. They create a feeling of community for us. Like you were talking about, you know, I want to live within walking distance of the restaurant that serves these wings. Um, I love that, and I think we we all have little things like that that make our communities worth living in. Um, that that's another element uh, that has come out in the research about place attachment that far more than uh, jobs or economy, what we want in our places is um, quality of life. And quality of life tends to come down to those little things that make us happy on a daily basis, the walking trails, the library, the park, the restaurants and the shops that add up to a sense of satisfaction with where we live. You know, that definitely was one of my takeaways from your talk for at the uh, Southwest Virginia Economic Forum. I was used to thinking of place attachment in this very qualitative way that you and I have been talking about it so far. You were riding your bike down the that bike path on your way to the farmer's market, the sun was shining and you had that moment. Um, I was eating that plate of food with my husband on a cold day in a warm restaurant and I had that feeling. But when you were talking about it at the economic forum and that connection to the GDP and the research by the Knight Foundation, that quantitative aspect really blew me away. Can you tell us more about the soul of the community study and that that kind of research around the quantitative aspects of place attachment? Yeah, absolutely. So 
about 10 years ago, the Knight Foundation partnered with Gallup on a massive study, a three-year study of 26 different communities that Knight works in. And they surveyed people around how they felt about their community, their levels of satisfaction with it, whether they wanted to stay, things like that. Um, and at the end of these three years, one of the interesting results that came out of the study was this connection between place attachment levels in, in certain communities and local GDP, that as place attachment went up in communities, so did GDP. It was this connection between how well the economy was doing and how happy people are living there, which seems kind of like a no brainer. You know, maybe we just like living in communities that are doing well financially. But the researchers actually found that it was place attachment that was driving GDP. And that comes back to this idea that place attached people behave differently. And so the things that make us happy in communities like shopping at local stores and eating at local restaurants also happen to have an impact on the economic vitality of a town. And, and there are other things that we do when we're place attached. We're more likely to uh, buy a home. We're more likely to donate locally, more likely to invest, and even more likely to be entrepreneurial and start a business. So all these things that we do when we're place attached also happen to be good for communities. So it really is this very circular relationship there that communities that focus on quality of life and attract people because of that also, you know, so it's this kind of soft factor, but they also tend to do better in, in the numbers. They, they start to thrive economically. So noting that connection between uh, the quantitative, the GDP, and place attachment, what is a takeaway that you would want maybe local officials to to understand about place attachment and what their role as the locality is in in supporting or creating an environment where place attachment can really thrive? Is there a connection there? Yeah, we tend to think of place attachment, like we were saying, is coming from these sort of soft factors. <laughs> it seems very kind of out there sometimes when we talk about it. And in fact, that same soul of the community study that found the connection between place attachment and local GDP also identified three factors that had the biggest impact on place attachment. And um, they, they weren't what anyone thought they were social offerings or feeling like your place has things to do and people to do it with aesthetics, feeling like your place is beautiful and openness or feeling like your place is welcoming, that there are opportunities for all kinds of people. So it would be a lot easier if we could say, when the schools are great, people are place attached. When, you know, the local government is wonderful or the local police force reaches these certain standards. If we had something that was really concrete, um, it might be easier for local leaders to wrap their brains around how we increase place attachment in our community. 
But I think it's actually good news that you can tweak place attachment by focusing on these soft factors. And as towns struggle economically, it's a good reminder that things uh, that contribute to social cohesion, public events um, and parks and gathering places and libraries, things that may, you know, you might want to put on the chopping block as these aren't essential services and we can cut this, that those are the things that actually matter most in making people want to stay in your community, making people feel happy and satisfied there in a way that leads them to invest locally and invest not just financially, but in terms of um, engagement, uh, getting involved, going to local meetings, running for office, or just simply making things happen in your community. That's one of the things that I try and tell community leaders is that you have this, this whole army of residents, many of whom have ideas for how they want things to look, how they want things to be in your town. And sometimes that can be scary and overwhelming, but the more local communities can find ways to engage people, to give them opportunities to share ideas, to make things happen in a town, the, the more likely they are to be attached. You, you build a sense of ownership that way. And that's one of the main things that makes people attached and makes people want to stay where they live. Yeah, I, w I was blown away by those top three when you mentioned them at, at the Economic Forum and when I was looking at that list myself. And I will tell you, I have now referenced that study in multiple presentations. It's one of my new favorite things. Um, because I think we, we do at times um, think that yeah, if, if the housing was better, if the schools were better, if we had jobs here, we would have a, a higher level of satisfaction versus if our community was more welcoming, if we had more benches to sit on, if we had activities for people to come do, then some of those things would, would follow. If we create that place that people want to be, then the jobs and, and some of the other things will follow. I also feel like I would not be doing my job as a main streeter if I didn't point out to folks that social offerings has a lot to do with the promotions and um, events that your main street organization is putting on. Aesthetics, of course, is the design aspect and having an open, a, a open and inclusive community that is welcoming of the come here's, which I'm not sure, Melody, if you've run into that expression being in Virginia, I definitely have as a come here. Um, that Main Street organizations can really play a big, a big role in this. I don't feel like I would be doing my job if I didn't mention that. Yeah, I actually, um, I love the Main Street organization. I think it is so well positioned to make these small changes that make people love where they live. Peter Kagiyama is um, a guy in Florida who writes about some of these same topics. And he, I think, calls them love notes to your city. When when you put up a mural or a bench or, you know, revamp a park or something like that, these are little things in, in the grand scheme of things. 
but they're, they're signs in the community that someone here loves this place. Um, and that matters, simply that sense that other people are interested in this town, we wanna see it succeed and we're trying to make it better. So I think, you know, like, uh, I, I've been to the National Main Street Conference a couple of times and you'll go to sessions about um, window dressing and, you know, facades and, and things like that. And those aesthetic matters uh, are important because they're just, again, little things that are a sign that someone here cares about this community and wants it to look nice and wants it to be welcoming to other people. Absolutely. So as you started researching place attachment, what surprised you the most? So I've had a recent surprise <laughs> that um, I, I wanted to mention. So the Knight Foundation has kind of been on the vanguard of studying place attachment. And they just this year in the pandemic released a new study, um, partnered with the Urban Institute and looked at place attachment in, in mostly urban areas in some of the cities where they work. And they identified three factors that were were closely correlated with place attachment in cities. And, and they're kind of along the lines of social offerings, aesthetics and openness, but a little more specific. They identified arts and culture as one of the most important things that made people feel place attached. And, and in fact, that was one of the behaviors they identified as a sign of place attachment, are people attending arts events in their community. They also identified recreational areas and having safe places to work and play. Safe places seems like an obvious one. Of course, we want to feel safe in our communities. But um, I love this idea that play matters um, in terms of arts and recreation, that we want places that allow us to have fun, that allow us to do things that we enjoy and that are a pleasure. And again, as community leaders think about, um, you know, maybe the belt tightening that will have to happen as a result of the pandemic, um, it always feels like arts institutions are right at the top of the list of, do we really need that? <laughs> do, do we really need the dance troupe or, or the theater? Um, and yeah, we do. These are totally integral to our happy feelings in our community and feeling like we want to stay there. So again, it's it's these little things, um, these soft factors that end up mattering more than more than I ever imagined they would. Yeah, I think for myself, hearing you articulate that in in different keynote addresses really brought this home for me in a different way. And so I hope this conversation also brings these concepts home to, to some of the folks who may be really paying attention to the dollars and the cents of it. And now hopefully recognizing the, the tangible value of some of these intangibles, I think is really important. To kind of bring this back around and no knock on Blacksburg at all, 
um, really briefly is, can you tell us about uh, another place that you are attached to and what caused that attachment, why you're attached to that place and how you show love to that place? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> so I have moved around a bit in my adult life. I've spent time in Maryland and Utah and Iowa and Austin um, before landing in Virginia. And this was after spending my whole childhood in California. Um, and what I've realized about place attachment is that you can be attached to multiple places. It's not just the place you're living right now. Um, and I think what happens, uh, what I've learned about place attachment is that probably I would say 80% of it is relationships. That when you have a sense of social cohesion in a community, when you make friends and develop relationships, even those loose tie relationships like you know, recognizing the guy who's the the checker at the grocery store or something like that. Those kinds of things make us feel embedded in our places. They make us fall in love with it. And so when I think about places that I'm attached to, it's all those places that I've lived, but most particularly it's to the people that I met there. And a lot of them have moved on as well. And now they're scattered all over the United States. But I love this idea that even after you move, uh, you carry those relationships along with you and they influence you for the rest of your life and they change who you are. So uh, that is you know, one of the key things I think we need to realize about place attachment is that it's places, yes, it's, it's restaurants, it's hiking paths, it's it's libraries and amenities and things that we have in our community, but it's really difficult to feel truly attached to a place uh, until you establish solid relationships. Obviously the pandemic has been really hard on that, but I think we've also had a little bit of a resurgence as our worlds have kind of shrunk in realizing that neighborhoods matter, that the people around us matter. Um, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, we were checking on each other. And, you know, I had a friend who said she came out of her house one morning and someone had tied helium balloons to all the mailboxes on the street. Uh, and it was just kind of this sign of we're neighbors and we're all in this together. I think we felt that really strongly in the early days of the pandemic. And maybe we feel it a little bit less now, you know, nine months in. But it's something that, um, that, we should pay attention to those feelings of community are really, really important to place attachment. And there's ways community leaders can foster that with events and with gathering places and stuff like that. But you know, it, it eventually all comes back to how we connect to other people, how much we're willing to reach out and offer help and listen and have conversations, um, all of which are are difficult right now. Um, but, you know, that's what makes me feel attached and, and continue to feel attached to places that I've lived. 
Well, thank you so much for your time today, for the great conversation, the insights. And again, even though um, we did spoil the book by saying that Melody is now attached to Blacksburg, I, I would encourage everyone to give it a read. I just think there are so many interesting tidbits in there and lessons for all of us on how we can better develop our place attachment, but also think about how those around us are experiencing place attachment and how we can help them to become attached to place as well. Thank you so much, Melody, for your time today. This was a really, really great conversation. Thanks so much, Rebecca. It was a pleasure. And a great kickoff for our Creating Community Vitality series. Check out the Virginia Main Street blog for more ideas on how to put place attachment into action in your community. And tune in next month as we dive into placemaking with another educational webinar and inspirational podcast.